Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this uh, Monday evening. A little late uh, for multiple reasons. Not only not getting on the air Sunday, but a little late getting on the air here tonight. I'm also apparently having trouble getting it out on Twitter, but we'll, uh, we're there. The system's just a little slaggy tonight. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're trying to go live on Hoopsville. Uh, or on Facebook, uh, it's not really seeming to respond to us. We will do our best to see what happens here uh, with that and continue to make the push if we can. Uh, I hate to say it, but no promises because it doesn't seem like it wants to work for us tonight. Um, lots to talk about. New Top 25 is out um, along with, well, at least on the men's side. The women's will probably post while we're on air at some point. We'll keep an eye out for that. Um, I've been busy with soccer. That's why we're airing on a Monday instead of a Sunday. That also is the reason we didn't have enough time to apparently put our ducks in a row tonight. It is what it is, right? But we are on air, and we're thankful to be on air, and we hope you are enjoying the show tonight. If you've got questions, we've told you how to get a hold of us, and we hope you take advantage of it as much as you can. We love hearing from you, so feel free. Don't be a stranger. Uh, I know a lot of you interact with us on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, we'll do our best um, when we can. Um, for example, I'm now getting information that maybe uh, our system is not liking us as much as I thought it would be uh, on the uh, on YouTube. So not sure what's going on. We're, we're doing our best. Um, our information says we're good. We'll keep working at it. We'll keep working at it. Um, so lots to talk about. Uh, let's talk quickly about guests that we'll have on the show tonight. They're going to include uh, the um, women's basketball coaches from Baldwin-Wallace and from Edgewood. Both programs off to tremendous starts. In fact, Edgewood's off to the best start in program history. Um, oh, we're trying to get synced up here. Uh, it is not liking us tonight uh, with our, our simulcasts. We'll continue to make that, that effort. Um, Edgewood is off to its best program start ever. Baldwin Wallace off to a tremendously good start. Really impressed with what they're doing. Um, so we're going to talk to both their head coaches. I talked to actually Sherry Harrer earlier today. Um, sorry, distracted with why none of our tech wants to work today. Um, Really great chat with her. Uh, we'll, you'll get to hear that coming up. Edgewood's head coach, uh, I, I'm fascinated with their 9-0 start this season in the NA, and, and with NACC coming along. Um, that certainly got, us, got me intrigued. So we'll talk to her about that. And um, I'm really interested in what's going on at Whitworth. You know, new men's coach out there, though he's not unfamiliar with the program, Zeb... Um, Damian Zemlowski was the assistant slash associate head coach um, out there for a number of years, became the head coach, not by default, but certainly a smart decision just to keep things moving. But it feels like Whitworth's a different team. So we're going to talk to him about all that. Um, we can certainly talk about the top 25 um, and voting in the darn thing, I will admit. Uh, not fun this time around yet again. Uh, but not as not as brutal as I thought it was, especially coming off of a soccer weekend for myself. So Bob Quillman will come on. We won't do our normal dubious and all that stuff with him because, uh, well, the top 25 is out. Uh, and, and we're going to 
do that Sunday, obviously in hindsight. That's kind of the whole point of the segment. But we'll talk to him um, just about the first month of the season. Uh, Ryan Scott unable to join us this Sunday or this Monday. Certainly can appreciate that. He's got some other things to take care of. He'll be back when we get him back next week. Uh, so we'll have one more Sunday show, by the way, before the holidays. We have two more Thursday shows before the, we take a holiday break. And we're still double checking how we're going to get back on the air outside of that. So it, it seems like none of my syndication hopes are going to work. We will keep plugging away at this and see if we can get on air in some capacity. We'll keep you up to date as best we can on all of that. Um, yeah, so there. Uh, so again, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's how you can interact with us as well. You can obviously tweet us. I'll just take this quick moment to uh, congratulate the uh, soccer champs, um, to say the least. Uh, Messiah women, now the winningest all-time in Division Three history in terms of national championships, having six, breaking the record they were tied with. First one, I think, since 2012 off the top of my head. Though that seems off, but I, uh, that's the number in my head. I called six games. You'd think I'd remember that. Uh, but congratulations to them. They nearly got knocked off in the semifinals by Carnegie, Me Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon had a one nothing lead early. Messiah tied it up late. Messiah actually almost got a, a goal early, but Carnegie Mellon cleared it off the line defensively, not with a goalie. Um, then in double overtime, Carnegie Mellon nearly scored themselves on an open, open goal, and a defender from Messiah stopped it. They went to PKs. Messiah won 3-1 in, in four rounds and went on to, to defeat William Smith, a team they lost to, their only loss this season, to William Smith earlier in the year 2-0. They won the championship. And congratulations to them. Really, really impressive on their part. And then Tufts defeated Amherst in an all-NESCAC final. Um, I think we expected it to be closer game. It was 2-0. Uh, tough, certainly tough, to say the least. Uh, third title in four years and fourth title in six. Really impressive stuff what they're doing there. So I just thought I'd mention that since uh, that's where I was this weekend and why we're doing this show on Monday. Again, we'll be on the air Thursday as well, and then uh, back to Sunday next week. That'll be the last one for the holidays. Back on the air the 19th, which is a Thursday. Take a holiday break, and then we'll figure out when we'll get back on the air. Of course, D3Hoops.com Classic coming up. And by the way, because of the D3Hoops.com Classic, some of the guests I wanted to have on the show, I have resisted. Uh, we wanted to talk to Emmanuel for their upset uh, against Amherst, 60-55, uh, to 55, but we're going to see them in Vegas shortly, so I didn't really want to step on that and kind of ruin some of the content we may get from them. Uh, Gustavus Adolphus beat St. Thomas. Why didn't we have Gustavus Adolphus on? By the way, the first time St. Thomas has lost in like three or some odd years in the Mayak Conference in women's basketball. We've just had Mayak conversation on. Speaking of which, we'll have an update later in the show on what I'm learning out of the Mayak. Um... DeSales lost to Scranton. We just, you know, we've talked to Scranton. We've talked to that region. Um, Marion Baylor, by the way, big win over Whitman. Congratulations to them. Mary Mount and Mary Washington went to overtime. Decided not to have Mary Washington on again because we had talked to this region recently. We want to give it a little bit of space. Loris defeat, lost to Luther. Why wouldn't we have Luther on the show? It's their only win at, at that point. So we want to wait, see how their season goes. Started 0-5. Um, so little things like that are kind of reasons we don't sometimes always go to the, the slam dunk guest invite. Uh, on the men's side, by the way, LaSalle had beaten Nichols. Oshkosh lost to Alma before beating Calvin handily by 40 or 34 point, 39 points. Sorry, I can't do math. Amherst lost to Babson. Uh, we'll get Babson on this show very soon, I'm sure. Virginia Wesleyan defeated Guilford. Randolph-Macon defeated Christopher Newport. 
Uh, we'll look at the new top 25 shortly. Carthage de- defeated North Central. I watched much of that game. Carthage, a really good team, so it's really surprising they then lost to North Park. Uh, Carthage, um, well, I should say uh, North Central beat North Park. What I was trying to say was it was surprising Carthage lost to Illinois Wesleyan by four. I know Bob will have a different opinion on that. I know it's a CCIW, but still kind of surprising if you can handle North Central that maybe you're not ready for the Illinois Wesleyan game. WPI lost to Albertus Magnus. Albertus Magnus seems to be the Achilles heel of some teams. Oswego lost twice this week. So lots of craziness on the men's top 25. We'll talk more to Bob about that later. I know it's a very short first segment. I apologize for that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Baldwin Wallace, women's basketball coach, um, Sherry Herrer, about her Yellow Jackets team. And you'll kind of see how my brain isn't quite focused when we were doing the interview. Um, it's not, it's, it's just I had other things going on and uh, it, it makes for some funny moments. Um, but you'll hear from her. Then we'll talk to Edgewood Women's Basketball, then Whitworth Men's Basketball, then Bob Quillman on the show. We will sprinkle the show with your questions. We will try and get us simulcasted on YouTube and Facebook and figure out why in the world that isn't working right now. All of that still ahead. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you listen to us on the podcast, you think everything's going well, except that it's a shorter segment than normal. I get it. It happens. We'll be back with more right after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. 
We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Katherine Bixby, head coach at Johns Hopkins University and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. I hope you're enjoying the show. Now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville on this special Monday edition presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Again, running a Monday show. Uh, I think we've done this a couple times over the years uh, after soccer championships and on the way home. Well, I really thought about it on the weekend, realized it would be a smarter idea to do this on Monday instead. So thank you for tuning in. If you're listening to the podcast or you're watching this or listening to this at a later time, thanks for taking the time to do so as well. We're going to start in the Great Lakes region with our first interview segment of the day. Of course, the OAC, the NCAC, MIAA, we always talk about those conferences and some of the great basketball going on in them. So sometimes finding the right time to talk to coaches is a little bit more challenging. I didn't have to find the right time to talk to this coach. Baldwin Wallace women's basketball off to a 6-0 and start coming off of a 15-11 and season last year. Wins over Skidmore, Rochester at their place. Of course, Rochester not as strong as they've been over the last few years, but that's still a solid victory. St. Vincent, W&J, which is always a tough team, Heidelberg and Muskegon. But they've got Marietta on the road and Trine coming up in the next few games. And then they're at Wartburg for what is always ending up being a terrific tournament at Wartburg. That's all before the new year. And then after the new year, it's all OAC basketball. So what do we make of the Yellow Jackets? Well, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach, of the Baldwin Wallace women's team. It's Coach Hare. And Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. Uh six and oh, two and oh already in conference play with the wins over Heidelberg and Muskegon. And again, we mentioned Marietta and Trine coming up here in a couple more, you know, conference games before the, the season um takes a little bit of a break for the holidays. Are you thrilled with how you guys are, are out of the gate here? Of course, you have to like the record, but uh, we're not pleased with how we're playing right now. Hmm. Hopefully, we can uh, fix some things before we get into the teams you just mentioned, uh, Marietta, Trine, Wartburg, and then either Wisconsin Lacrosse or or Wash Wash U. Um, those are those are some great teams. Yeah, those are some tough ones, and and I mean that may come back to be a benefit, win or lose, at a later date. 
obviously winning the games are important, but you say not playing the way you guys want to. I look at scores and, and boxes, and I, I can pick out what I can out of that. But, you know, the win over Rochester was 79-56. The win over W&J was by 10 points. What isn't working that we may not be able to appreciate? Well, our kids are playing hard. We're just not playing real smart. Um, but we, we've got some things to fix defensively. And offensively, just uh, playing better together. You're still trying to put the pieces together and figure out rotations and those kinds of things. Right now, we're playing 12 kids in a lot of games, and that's uh, that's a lot of kids to try to get into the rotation. <laughs> so we're still trying to figure our way out there. Now some some coaches would die to have that kind of yeah. depth. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's got its benefits. I understand you certainly want to get into a rotation, everybody get comfortable with who they're playing, but the you've got three players in double figures right now, a senior in Riley Schill, uh, Lily Edwards, a sophomore at 10.8, and, and Hannah Feck, a senior at 10 points a game. And by the way, Schill's at 14. Uh, and then two more seniors behind it. Obviously, this is built on seniors right now. How much, though, are the underclassmen like Edwards contributing, and how helpful is that? Oh, it's really helpful. You know, obviously, we we are leaning hard on Riley and Hannah, Kara, Casey, but um, uh, our sophomore class, we're really happy with them. Between Megan Scheibelhut, Megan Hensel, and then Lily, um, obviously, is going to score a bit. And Sydney Snyder is showing flashes of being the player we think that she can be as well. So we're, we're actually really relying on, on four sophomores in that group as well. Yeah, the sophomores are, are pretty much the other leaders outside of junior Gabby mm-hmm. Garrett. Um, Edwards is at 5.7 rebounds a game, which leads the team as well. Uh, of course, it's it goes through Hughes and it goes through Schill at their two-plus assists per game. You obviously have a tough conference in the OAC it has become tougher how much is not only the senior experience important but how much is it uh, the sophomores needing to really appreciate their role going to help you in that depth when you get into the OAC a little bit further than you have so far well we're hoping it does um, and those kids all those uh, sophomores played as freshmen in the right. NCAA tournament last year right so um yeah, and we intentionally scheduled it. We, we were actually supposed to go to a much smaller tournament. And uh, when I saw Wartburg needed a team yet for that tournament, and I, <laughs> I found who was in it, I was like, you know, with this group, with so many seniors and some kids with experience, we, we graduated two kids who played in uh, in rotation and returned everybody else, plus Hannah Fecht. Hannah, Hannah missed all of last year except for the first four games with a broken wrist. So she's actually in a red shirt year so we knew we had her coming back all those kids coming back like i have to challenge this crew and um yeah we're we're up for we're i don't know we're up for it but we we've got it on the schedule so we'll see what happens with it that season didn't end the way you guys had hoped again 15 and 11 you ended up losing uh five of your last eight games and again it was that group of marietta certainly in the mix but mount union and otterbein certainly didn't help things either what did that finish of the season do in the off season for you guys yeah, that was actually two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. When, You're right. That was two yeah, years ago. Yeah, when, when that happened. Last year. Um, yeah, last year you might have made the NCAAs or something, yeah. Yeah, last year we got beat in our conference <laughs> tournament. Right. And then, yeah, made the NCAAs and got one win and then lost to Messiah on their court. And, and it was a good battle. It was a two-point game at the last media break. Right. Um, so I, I think it. It gave our kids a taste of it. That was the first any of the kids on this team had been to the NCAAs. And, um, yeah, it was good for us for them to, to get a taste of that. And 
Um, I'm not sure we worked as hard in the offseason as any coach would like, but hopefully hard enough that uh, we can see some results this year. Let me flip the question around since I read the wrong year. You had that <laughs> finish two years ago that didn't work. It, right. it, it, it led to what you were able to put together at 20-8 and eight last season. Yes. Get into the conference tournament obviously and do well there to get into the NCAA tournament you know he got past Rochester Tech in the first game and a close one at Messiah and then as you pointed out a tough one at Messiah in the second round how does all of that experience not only the the stubbing your toe finish at two years ago but then at least the NCAA opportunity help not the sophomore class but that senior class yep. who gained that you know has gone through it all as it were Yep. Yeah. And that's what really turned it around. A couple of those kids, well, it was Hannah, you know, one of the kids that graduated after we lost that uh, game to Otterbein in the conference tournament, just finished in such a, a tough way. Um, they're like, coach, what do we need to do to turn it around? And that was perfect because I knew what we needed to do. I just needed kids that wanted to listen to it. <laughs> and uh, they, we had some willing ears. And from that point on, they really were bent on making sure our culture was where it needed to be, our work ethic was where it needed to be, that they really, truly care about each other. And, um, yeah, we've been able to see get things back on track from that. The OAC is still tough. You play 18 games oh. in conference. Uh, it's it's yeah. a grind, to say the least. Yes. And Marietta Otterbein, North, or while Northern made it seem like maybe deja vu last year in early January, you lose yep. three straight to them, kind of similar to how that previous season had had, had finished. It, was that a scare moment, or is that one of those kind of resilience moments, like, okay, we've been here before, but we're not supposed to be? Yeah, it was a little beach because in all three of those games, we had double-digit leads. In fact, at Otterbein, we were up 23 in the first half and managed Oof. to lose it. And against Marietta, we were up like uh, 10 with two minutes to play and managed to lose it. In Northern, we had a double-digit <laughs> lead in the first half. So it was like, yeah, it was like we just got to, we had to finish out, finish out some games here and we'll be okay. And uh, but But it was good because it did test our resiliency and it didn't make sure we were going back to our core values and the kids were did a great job of turning things around of course the conference this year looking like it's going to be much of the same you guys are undefeated mm-hmm. so far overall 2-0 in the conference john carroll is 6-1 and 2-0 mm-hmm. ohio northern undefeated at 1-0 otterbein 5-1 at 1-0 wilmington looks like they might be in the mix this year around capital you can never count out dixie jeffers marietta mm-hmm. maybe not as strong as we've seen but they seem to still be in the mix. Mount Union is going to be in the mix. This seems like a deeper OAC every year we look at it. It, it is. It really is. I, I just happened to look at it yesterday. Our, our league right now, non-league, is 34 and 13. Yeah. Um, the worst record any of our teams have right now, non-league, is 2-2. Two two. So that tells you a little bit about our league. It's just, it's just it, like you said, it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. There's not a single game that you can go into and say, okay, we'll, we'll be okay here if we just show up. You know, like you better bring your A game or you're going home with an L in this league. How much does that also, though, I mean, I can see it being a benefit to some degree. I could also see it being a little bit of a defense, uh, a disadvantage. You're, you're grinding out. How tired are you guys as a team when you get to the end of the season? You're really tired, and because it, it takes its toll on you mentally as much as physically, and we battled through a lot of injuries and things last year too. That, and that was one of the things when we were coming off some really, um, 
you know, kids missing two weeks here, two weeks there. Um, that's why Lily's not starting for us now. She missed two and a half weeks of preseason with a concussion and, you know, it's already started again oh. for us a little bit. And that's, that's the tough part. You're, you're physically grinding because it's a physical league and there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of physical play. And then you turn around mentally and you just don't get a break and, and it does take its toll. And it's, that's why it's so tough to win at the end, I think. Um, yeah, I sometimes wonder why we have a conference tournament because we beat the daylights out of each other mm-hmm. for for 18 games. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're fresh enough when you get – and that's where it's tough from a coaching standpoint, you know, they determine NBA now load management. But really trying to do that all the way through, like monitor, especially your older kids, you know, how are their bodies, trying to cut back on practice where you can – at the same time, trying to get those youngsters uh, minutes so that next year you're not, you know, not starting all over and, and those kinds of things. And it does uh, play into your practice planning and all that kind of stuff and in, in trying to not plan for right now, but what's going to happen, you know, weeks down the road. Yeah, true. Uh, and, and weeks down the road, of course, is this, you know, challenge you have in, in Waverly, Iowa. I, I'm curious with the knowledge that the OAC has become as tough as it is and it's the grind and you're going to take your lumps and you may not get out of the conference tournament. Are you going into your non-conference seven game schedule and saying, I need to bolster this as much as I can so that our team's got a chance at getting in that large bid? Yes. I mean, we, we've got to come up with some wins in there somewhere to give our chance ourselves a chance at at large. Our, our conference is just so it's so hard to win that conference tournament, um, just because there's so many good teams. Like any one of you know all those teams you just mentioned, any of them can win our conference tournament, and that's why playing a good non-league schedule helps us. You know, at the end of the day, you're playing 18 league games, and your strength of schedule is going to come out to 500 with those teams. It's league games. You know, everybody's playing 18. So the more we can bolster it outside of that and hopefully get a couple quality wins that can, that can give us. And, that, and that's what happened last year. We were getting at large because we had some good yeah. non-league wins. And, and that's what we're after again this year. How do you how, how do you approach that though with the team? I, I I know you're not talking March in November. You're no, not talking March no. in December. But how much do you also have to express to them that these games are going to be important come come late February? We did that really early. We said, hey, we we and this is the toughest schedule we probably ever put together. And I you know I did it to challenge you guys. We we need to be at our best and yeah for league and non league. And, uh, but we haven't really talked about that lately. You know, mm-hmm. we, we talk about that before the season starts, and then once you get in the season, it's just a game ahead of you. Sure. You're in your 15th season uh, at uh, WMB or WMB. Jeez, I'm flipping it. How about that one? My brain's all over the place today. <laughs> Dyslexia. Yeah, apparently. Uh, BW, we should call it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 30th year, I think, overall. Yep. Can you, do you – does it feel like you just got there? Does it feel like 15 years? Yeah, you know the kids keep you. The kids keep you going. I mean, the, when you enjoy coaching, like we have an incredible group of young ladies. Like they are just class act, and um, they're fun to coach. And those, when they're fun to coach, they keep you young. <laughs> you know, you, you don't think about it, but you blink and you know you think about a 
you know, somebody might ask about a team or a player and you're like, oh, yeah, that was just, you know, four or five years ago. And you look and it was like 10, 12. And it's like, no, oh, it hasn't been that long. You know? Yeah, I even know that pain and I'm not even coaching. <laughs> yeah. Do, what, do you, what do you look back on and memorably? I, I know things aren't over, but, you know, this 15 years, at, you've seen a lot at, at, at Baldwin-Wallace. Yeah, um, say we've we've had some great kids, great teams, um, and we, we have people out there doing some really great things with their lives right now. Like we have pharmacists and doctor and lawyers, and you know they're just doing really really cool things, and that's really joyful to to look at and see what kind of lives they're leading now. And um, but boy, there's there's been some great wins along the way and some really memorable games as well in there. I should point out, I, I said 14th earlier. I was referring to 14th, 15th uh, NCAA tournament teams, I believe. Uh, you've been there 30 years. You're approaching, mm-hmm. you're approaching 600 wins. You're, you're what, I think 11 away at 589, if, if my numbers are correct. Has, has that cropped into your head that that big number is knocking on the door, as it were? I, I knew at some point this year, I didn't know what the number was. I figured at some point this year. I, so, by the way. I'm really right now just worried on us getting better in Marietta, to be honest. So. Yeah, so I should mention. So, by the way, uh, it, it's, it looks like it's coming. I'm double-checking to make sure that, that what I've got here is right. So, it looks like you're 11 wins away. So, it does do those milestones mean something? Let me rephrase that. What do those mi- kind of milestones mean? It means I've had an opportunity to coach a lot of great players. And uh, been fortunate to be able to stay. Uh, you know, when when I got to BW, this wasn't uh, a program in great shape, and I was mm-hmm. fortunate that some administrators believed in my abilities, and we were able to turn it around. And then um, have had a lot of great players want to uh, not only continue that, but try to take us to another level. And that's what we're reaching for now. We haven't been to that Final Four yet. We've been to Elite Eight three times. Not been to that Final Four yet, and, and that's what we're, we're continue to look for players who want to take us to that level. Well, you've certainly done pretty darn well for yourself and for the team. Um, we've been kind of used to you winning at least 16, 15, 16 games a season to the point that uh, I'm a little surprised we haven't had you on the show more often, but maybe that's also the conversation about the OAC. There are so many yep. teams to talk about exactly. uh, in there. What's the message to the team heading into the into the four games here surrounding the holidays? Uh, right now, it's just about Marietta. And once we're finished with Marietta, we'll talk about trying. And, uh, but we're, we're, we're in finals right now, so right. our focus right now is actually just on us getting better. We're working today on the things we didn't do very well on Saturday and trying to get better ourselves. And uh, towards the end of the week, then we'll start looking at Marietta as far as with the kids, what we need to do. Well, you got to get there first, and that sometimes is yep. half the battle, is it not? Yep. Well, Coach, I really appreciate the time, including my brain Thanks, going six ways to Sunday differently. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> You're sometimes, a guy. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes when we get into this, uh, our brains don't work either so well. Um, as yeah. always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Now, I just appreciate all you do for Division Three, Dave, and especially for Division Three basketball and, and paying attention to women's basketball as much as the, the guys. I, we really, really do appreciate all you do for us. And it's just as fun a brand. Well, there's no reason not to pay attention to it. We enjoy doing it. Thanks for your time, Coach. Take care of yourself. Good luck against Marietta Trine and everybody else and according to the rest of the season. <laughs> and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. 
Thanks again, Dave. Absolutely. Coach Eric, joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Yeah, so apparently my brain is still in soccer gear looking at different schedules. Uh, they do have Marietta on the road on the 14th, then they're at home against Dryden on the 18th, take their holiday break, then they head off to Waverly, Iowa for what is always a fun Warburg women's basketball event out there for the pre-holiday uh, schedule, and then they're back and it's nothing but OAC games the rest of the season. We'll keep an eye on the Yellow Jackets and the OAC throughout the rest of the season. When we come back, we'll keep talking women's basketball. We'll head a little bit further west. Edgewood is off to a tremendous start. We'll talk to their head coach about how they're doing. And don't forget, still ahead, we'll head all the way out to the northwest to talk to Whitworth men's new basketball coach and their tremendous start of the season. Then Bob Quillman talks or joins us on the show to talk about the opening month of the season. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC studios. Plenty more Hoopsville when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can to get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. 
I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Sakaitis, head coach at Lebanon Valley College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. And now back to Dave. Welcome back, everybody, to Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying the show despite our slight tech issues tonight. We finally got the Facebook and YouTube streams up and running. Turns out the YouTube one was just a setting that got changed unbeknownst to us, and we finally fixed that. And the Facebook one, we really don't have a reason. We just found a little trick to get it running. So uh, those of you who might have been watching on the regular page may have noticed the stream stopped for about 10 seconds. That was the solution. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, I know I got one question in there already about men's basketball in the tournament, which we mentioned a few times, Brennan. No, I'm just joking with Brennan. Uh, Brennan, I'll get to it at the end of, the, uh, of this segment, okay, before we take our break. Talking about Edgewood women's basketball earlier about how they're off to a program best 9-0. and um, I'm not sure what else you want to, to, to say regarding the fact that it's 9-0. and It's just those kinds of starts are things we, we like to shed a light on because it, it shows that sometimes programs can come out of nowhere on us and really be playing really good basketball, sometimes under our nose or unexpectedly. So figured at one month check, it's worth checking in with the Eagles women's basketball program. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's their head coach, Kaya Huff. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here tonight. Hi, Dave. Yeah, thanks. Apparently, we dropped out there for a second. I hit a strange button. It's full of tech issues today. I'm telling you. It's, <laughs> maybe we don't do shows on Mondays. Maybe this is a hint. Um, again, 9-0 start here. Forgive me. I can't remember which year you were hired specifically, but... When you got hired, I know you had high goals. All coaches do. Was this ultimately where you hoped you could get the program at least to start a season? Um, this is my fourth year here um, at Edgewood. Um, and, you know, I inherited a program that was struggling. Um, and I knew they were struggling. So um, I put together a plan just to try to fix it. You know, mm -hmm. we wanted to get winning. And sure. um, we wanted to get winning. And I... You know, I went about um, doing that the best way I knew how. We had to work on on the culture. Yeah. Um, the culture was, was poor. Um, we had to work on recruiting for sure. 
Um, and so when I got here, we really went to war with that. Um, and it was it was a tough first year. We didn't win a single game, so yeah. um, we really had to build it from scratch. And um, we just knew it would take it would take some time. Well, that's the thing. You were zero twenty five in twenty sixteen seventeen, eleven and fourteen uh, the following year, fourteen and eleven last year. So obviously the build has was not only has happened, but it's quick. I mean, to go from nothing to eleven, let's be honest, that's a significant step. Uh, to be yeah. above 500 in two seasons, another significant step. To now be 9-0 and and roaring out of the gate, and we can talk about opponents and strengths and all that. Sometimes sure. it's about confidence. You've yeah. clearly, in three years, built some confidence there. Mm-hmm. I think that's certainly true. Um, you know, we had that year after we went winless, we had 11 freshmen, and um, a lot of the time we had – five freshmen on the floor at one time and um that's crazy you know at this level and we felt all the good and the bad of that we felt their energy and their confidence and um they were hungry and of course that was kind of what i was selling like hey you get to come here and you get to build it and to play um help me do it and they came and they kind of came in with a storm and um they won 11 games that year and it was fun um but we you know as that year went on we felt we had bigger goals and bigger fish to fry, so to speak. And um, we had to get serious about it. And it's really just been a, it's been a building block for us year after year where we want to add things in and I've gotten a little tougher and I've asked them for more and asked them to give me more each year. And it's kind of come up to a point this year where everything clicked and um, it just got very, serious and it got very intentional and my kids were here for it and um it's been fun you know like I don't know (laughs) that when I started I thought it would take a full cycle recruiting to really get competitive in our conference and we've kind of hit it one year early Mm. sort of my opinion on it um we got some really good recruits in and they're stepping up and my juniors this year are just on another level, um, the focus and the discipline and the consistency, and it's kind of jumped us a little quicker than I expected, to be honest. Sure. No. Um, and that's always the best feeling versus uh, maybe still struggling in year three trying to figure out what the best answer is. By the way, we should yeah. point out, we talk about strengths. You know, you defeated last year's tournament team, Rippin, uh, 52-51, yeah. back on November 26th. That certainly is a building block. Of course, the NACC yeah. is uh, full of conference games. Yeah. <laughs> so you are already <laughs> square in the middle of conference action uh, as, yeah. as we talk here. You've already gotten through, what, four games? I think you're undefeated yeah. at the top of the conference with MSOE behind you and Benedictine as well. Yeah. Is, has there been a, a I'm just going to sound strange, has there been a pinch me conversation in the locker room? Or a, okay, okay, we know, but, you know, we still need to focus. Has that conversation happened yet? Um, You know, there's, I guess, a little bit of both in that. Um, My kids are, they expect to play well, and they've built this thing, and they've watched us get close last year. We just, I mean, every game was just close, you know, and. Um, they felt that so much and it was painful. You know? sure. We ended, we ended the season last year. Just, it was painful for us. Um, 
being so close, but knowing that we just had work to do. And so this year has been, we, we just focus on going one and oh every game. And that caught us a little bit last year. We get ahead of ourselves and worry about the big games. And um, they wouldn't focus enough on the, that mediocre games, if that's fair. And um, this year has just not been like that. It's, one game at a time and every game gets all of our attention and Mm -hmm. then we jump to the next one and we've just kind of built it. So are they surprised? I don't think my locker room is very surprised to be honest. Um, they, they've seen it coming. I think it's more that they are hungry to play the big games now and they want to be challenged by the, the best teams in our conference. And, we want to take a run at them and, um, you know, see if we've got it. Makes sense. Uh, it totally makes sense. Again, you mentioned no seniors on this squad. The best part of that is you're building still ahead to next year with this unit. Uh, you don't need to start worrying about things changing. You're led by Alyssa Lamarade. Is I saying that right? Um, Lemeron. Yeah. Lemeron. Oh, even better. 13 points a game. (laughs) Uh, I like that better. 5.7 rebounds. Uh, Emma Klein, uh, 11, uh, let's call it 12 points a game, uh, mm-hmm. four, four rebounds a game. Uh, you also have Abby Shane. She's near double digits at eight points a game. Your leading rebounders are, uh, Alyssa's sister, Bria at six yeah. and a half and six rebounds for Lexi Walter. So you, you're getting some balance there from what I see. And even from the assist side of things, uh, it's Alyssa and it's, it's Bria, at least in the, in the high numbers. Is very, you yeah. know, statistically says balance. Is that true? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, and that's been the big thing. We're just deep and our depth has been the thing that has really picked us up. Um, in the past, we've had to ride, um, some of our top kids like last season, you know, if, if one of my, if, if Jane or, um, Alyssa was struggling, then we struggled. And this year it just hasn't been that way. Um, all, everybody's had a bad day and someone has come off the bench or um, stepped up and played a big role. And it's just, that's what's made us difficult to beat. I think in our first few games this season, we had almost a hundred bench points, which is just mm, crazy. So it is. It's just, that's, that's kind of been our situation where somebody's ready to step up. And um, it's been a long time since edge has been deep. Huh. <laughs> and so, that's you know, and that's something that's been building for a while where we don't have to just rely on a couple players, but our recruiting classes have caught up to each other a little bit and um you know, we're we're playing some freshmen who are who are really stepping up and um that's been that's been the biggest thing for us is just um being able to have people step up when somebody's not playing well. You're looking now ahead certainly at more conference games. You've got mm-hmm. Rockford ahead here on the 14th. You'll then get that Christmas break, the holiday break, and come home and before hitting the road and taking on Wisconsin Lutheran on January 4th. Yeah. Uh, I, this is always that time of year I ask some question regarding that length of time off. Are you worried yeah. it can derail what has been working well, and how do you combat that, or are you not worried? Yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm always worried though. Um, I'm worried about that. You know, Christmas break is always hard. Um, I always feel a little more comfortable in a year where we take a trip, you know, we'll do that every other year and we'll play um in a holiday tournament somewhere. Um and you feel a little more comfortable because you're just playing longer into the break. Um and this year we don't have that. So um it's it's just I mean the way I think about it is that my kids have 
their their commitment and their dedication and their discipline to our program and to their individual work is what's got us here. You know, we're this tiny school that, you know, is not known for women's basketball and they're trying to put it on the map. And so I just got to trust over break. They're doing the same thing, you know, and they got to go to work. And if they want it, it, I was telling them, like, this is your program. Like, you have built it. So if you want it, it's yours for the taking. But you got to work, you know, when nobody's watching and they have to keep on it. So that's kind of my feeling about the break is it's scary. And for me as a coach, you know, it takes the control away a little bit, but you know, I trust them and I know they want it um, as much, if not more than I do. We talk about your background a little bit. You, you graduated from um, Moody Bible, which many people, many people may not know is located in Chicago. Um, And CCAA. I always want to make sure I I get that one Mm -hmm. uh, correct. He then took a year and went over to Grace University in Nebraska. What attracted you to to Edgewood and mm-hmm. and and what was? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it's back into the Chicagoland area, certainly. But yeah, what what's the pull to Edgewood specifically? Um, you know, I started as an assistant coach in the in the NAC and and, and um, at Dominican University, yeah. and so when I started there, I was familiar with this conference. So when I saw this job open, um, it was an opportunity to get back to the Midwest and I knew the conference well. And also it was, I I felt it was going to be a rebuild and it was going to be somewhere where I had to, you know, kind of go to work. And I love that. Mm. (laughs) That's my thing. And I love doing that. And so that was really attractive to me about this place is that um, we could come in here and sort of, you know, make some history, if that's fair. Where are you from? Because I grew up in Chicago, yeah. and I wouldn't peg sure. you for a Chicagoan by the accent. <laughs> no, I actually grew up in Upper Michigan for about half okay, my life. Okay, okay. And then um, I moved to Central Illinois um, when I was about twelve years old. So um, I've I've been mostly Upper Michigan and Illinois. So I have a funny accent. I I can't tell you the number of times people tell me that. It so. almost sounds southern. Yeah, I know. My parents live in Dallas, so I've also been okay. there. There's the so truth. I think I'm There's the truth. combination of all the things. Um, when you say Upper Michigan, do you mean uh, UP or just Upper? Yep. Okay. Yep, the UP up there. <laughs> yeah, my former boss is from the UP, so I know it well. Some famous athletes and coaches have come out of the Upper yeah, Peninsula. Yeah, right where Tom Izzo is from. So. Yeah, well, friend, my boss was <laughs> friends with Tom Izzo. They went to school together. Okay. Uh, yeah. that has its own funny stories in it. Oh, th- you, so you yeah. know how to handle winter. So anything Chicago yeah. throws at you is nothing. Yeah, exactly. Madison's like, that's eh, fine. Yeah, right. Madison <laughs> Avenue is a little bit uh, easier than Madison. Um, that's saying it lightly. What, what is the real goal for this team coach? Yes. Nine and oh, great yeah. start. You're on top of the conference yeah. right now, but I, and I'm not trying to, to tamper anything. I just mean, sure. If we really are looking at things at the end of this season and I look and see yeah. you guys at whatever, yeah, how do I gauge that you guys took advantage of the nine and oh? Yeah. Um we want to we want to win the conference and everybody wants to win their conference, you know. Um it's difficult and we but we want to get there and we want to put ourselves in a position where we give ourselves an opportunity. Um this is not a school, Edward is not a school like I mentioned earlier, with the strong women's basketball um, history. 
Um, one time in the history of the entire school has Edgewood won the conference. Um, it's not a place that's known for women's basketball, and we're looking to change that. I'd love to change that. I, you know, I love Edgewood College. I, it's an amazing school. It's a high academic school. It's an amazing, you know, the number one college sports city in America. It's just, it's a place that's prime for somebody to come in and do it. And yeah. we really want to do that. And we want to change it. And I always tell my team, like, why not us? Why not us? Sure. Like, you know, small private colleges are in this thing every year, but you have to build it and you have to believe. And so um, that's what we want to do. At the end of the season, I hope we're there. I hope we're um, we're up there in position to to make a run and have an opportunity to win a big game. Um, it's not something this program has really done. and so. That's something we'd like to change, and not just for this year. We'd like to do it for many, many years to come. So sure. this this program is just starting, and, um, you know, 9-0, and 0, it's, wow, that's awesome, and I would have never guessed it. But at the same time, like, we feel like we're doing the little things, and the little things are what's going to get you there. Yeah, well, that's a, a great way of looking at it. We look forward to seeing how the team does the rest of the season. Heck, small, private, little private schools are winning national championships all the time in division three so uh certainly not out of the realm of possible um thanks for taking the time as i said we always have a tradition on the show we leave the guest with a final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in um i thank so much for the opportunity and thanks for all you do for uh, future basketball and women's basketball you know i'm i'm a fan and i'm always paying attention and um we're a tiny little school but we're gonna work and we're gonna get there so um hopefully we stay on the radar i have a feeling you will uh, good luck. It's going to be a good battle in the NACC, and, and we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road. Thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. Bye. Kaya Huff joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Yeah, great start. I know. I mean, talk about a turnaround with a great program. Uh, it, it, they look like they're able to maybe even take a page out of what the men have been able to do, take the page out of what others in the, in the NACC have been able to do, and we'll keep an eye on, on how they do uh, and continue to do as we move on. Um, so real quick, who was it? It was Brennan. Our friend Brennan asked me, we've mentioned this a few times. We'll keep repeating it. Cause trust me, people are going to ask us Brennan throughout the year. How will the men's tournament schedule be different this year with the final being played in Atlanta and a later than usual date. First off, remember to all you, uh, of our friends out there, we are playing, uh, the national championship in, um, Atlanta this year at the, at the, uh, D1 Final Four site, same city as we did in 2013. Um, now, in 2013, it was one of these off things where we had every six years, we have this quirky calendar uh, for the championships uh, that extends a week. And I, I don't know if it's CBS's fault or it's the Masters' fault or it's all both of those. I don't know. Anyway, so instead of a six-week, we have a five-week gap between the end of our season and that game. And so what they'll do is they're going to play two games, first two rounds on the opening weekend. Uh, you might remember last time we only went, we went single, single, single first three weekends. Then we went elite eight, final four in Salem a week off and then championship. So we're going to go the other way. We're going to do, um, two games the first weekend for rounds one and two at, a, at, at, you know, host sites. We'll play the sweet 16 essentially on its own. Um, the third, the second weekend. Then the third weekend, Elite Eight and Final Four, along with All-Star Game, all at Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne can't move. Salem moved last year, or last time, to make it happen. It wasn't easy for them, but they made it happen. Fort Wayne can't move. D1's 
women's regionals are taking place that following weekend in that same building. So there's no way of moving. So we'll go two rounds, a single round, and then the Elite Eight Final Four All-Star Game together in Fort Wayne, then two weeks off championship in Atlanta at the American Airlines Arena. I believe it's the American Airlines Arena. Same arena as the, as the last one. It's just different title across the street from the uh, D1 site. Um, and we got to figure out how we're going to be there because <laughs> budgetarily, that is a mess. So there you go. I'm sure we'll talk more about it as time goes on. Running a little bit behind, we'll take another break. When we come back, we'll talk to uh, Whitworth's new head coach. They're playing well, ranked in the top 25. Speaking of which, where are we, the new top 25s have both come out. Uh, we told you the, the women's would probably come out while we were on the phone. We'll talk about that. Tufts, the new women's number one. Um, Whitworth is now 16, moving up from 20. We'll talk to their head coach about all of that when we come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world.
I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this... Monday evening, a special show where we're not doing it on Sunday, a little bit different. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we finally got the stream running, though I don't see anybody chatting with us, but considering how late we were on getting the stream running tonight, I am not going to consider that a loss. Uh, I do know we have a few listening to us on our YouTube uh, simulcast. Daryl Duncan, who's a fan of the Northwest basketball stuff, certainly enjoys it. Also, Dan Thome. He says, did the Oshkosh uniform on the back wall die in the flood? No, it did not. Uh, we, uh, we're rotating those uniforms, so we didn't rotate Brockport today. One, because we redid the background, if anyone hasn't noticed. And so uh, we're rotating all the jerseys that we have. Second of all, we haven't actually finalized how we want the studio to look. So we're still working on it. Um, the Oshkosh one was supposed to go up recently, but the system we had it on fell apart. So i got to fix it. and We'll get it up soon. So, um, so there you go, Dan. Don't worry. We will get the Oshkosh one up again. Though, maybe we should keep it down for as much as they're struggling at 5-3. and three. Speaking of which, I forgot to check to see if they're still in the top 25. No, they fell out. The number 13th ranked last week, Oshkosh Titans are out at 5-3. and three. Christopher Newport fell out. North Central fell out. So did WPI. Their new teams are Babson jumping in at 14. Stevens Point at 18. Okay, we'll talk to Bob about that. Colby jumps in at 19. Springfield at 21. And Benedictine is in at 24 but we'll get back to that with bob let's get back to our conversations with coaches um one of the coaches or one of the stories that we were proud to have said that we were kind of on top of in the offseason was whitworth not because we thought something was going to happen but it's one of those where i wake up in the morning i look at my phone and go wait what no yeah i had a lot of those this this summer Head coach at Whitworth decided to move on to a uh, better program. I will give him that moving to San Diego is a good idea. I don't like the idea of leaving Division Three. Whitworth wasted little time. Decided Damian Zablonski. I'm making up names today. It is one of those shows. Damian Zablonski was a good choice to bring into the show or to run the show. Well, of course, he's kind of been the sidekick for the whole time. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Skype edition presented by Blue Frame Technology is Coach Damien. And Coach, besides me butchering your name six ways to Sunday, even though I've known it for about 10 years, uh, welcome to the program. Five and one on the season. Uh, we haven't started Northwest Conference play, but you guys have also been sitting for a while, so I figured you should be rested well enough to chat with. How you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate it. And no worries on the name. I think uh, the <laughs> SKI on the end of a Polish name scares a lot of people. 
not not like Coach K. I don't have C's or K's and Z's and things like that in it, but uh, it's simpler than it than it looks. But yeah, we're doing well. We've been a little bit idle these last couple of weeks, but um, uh, getting ready. Our guys are in are in finals, start finals tomorrow, so it's always a busy time, uh, you know, for them. And you know, I was just saying, I I don't uh, I don't envy that those stresses of a student athlete. I mean, uh, I still had nightmares for months after I graduated that I had some project due that I didn't turn in. So uh, it's, a, it's a, a tough time to be a student athlete, but it's an important and necessary time for them. Yeah, good way of saying that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I feel bad for the student athletes. I don't miss it in the slightest. <laughs> exactly. Um, not, in the, not, not even close. Um, by the way, I, I shouldn't screw up Polish names. I'm, I'm married to a, a gal who's got a Polish last name. Uh, I've I've startled a few people when I come in and nail the Polish name in announcing, <laughs> and then screw up like a Joe Smith. Uh, listen, let's go back to the the hire. Um, I yep. don't remember specifically off the top of my head when it took place. I want to say uh, it was earlier in the year. I want to say Mayish. Is is yeah, that end right? Yeah, in May, I believe. Yeah. Of, uh, no, when did you me, find out? April. End of April. Um, yeah, pretty quick. I found out uh, pretty much the morning that uh, everybody else found out. <laughs> or, or so not too so long you and I that. chatting wasn't really new for you. No, uh, no, it was uh, that the whole process happened really quick. Um, you know, Coach Logie was was super happy here at Whitworth. But, um, you know, when you've had the amount of success that he had had over the, the eight seasons before, uh, you know, suitors come along and it just happened that. Uh, an opportunity that that seemed like the right fit for him uh, arrived, and it was really less than a, a week for the whole process to take place. And uh, luckily, we had already had some uh, agreement with our administration um, that uh, the president and the athletic director that um, should he move on at some point, I would be uh, the head coach in waiting and take over. And so. Yeah, it was. I was very grateful for that. It made it a, a more seamless transition. Obviously, whenever there's a coaching change, um, you know there's uncertainty. But when uh, you can go from telling your players, uh, you know, the coach is moving on to this is your new coach in literally 30 seconds. Right. Um, I think it. I think it helps them with the transition a lot. Yeah, I mean that. That was uh, the big key that we certainly knew about was they were wasting a little time. It's interesting for you to say that that basically that plan was in place already. Uh, not all schools will admit that. Not all schools will say it. Not all schools will live up to it. To be blunt. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you know you guys at least had that kind of lock, stock, and barrel. Let's talk about thus what happened next. Because to be honest, yes, it's the end of the school year. Though, do you get a chance to meet with guys? Do yeah. you have to wait until the new year? How does you you're involved with recruiting? I'm sure it didn't change anything with that. But was there anything that that fell a little unsettled for a while? Um, not really, because uh, we already pretty much we had our schedule in place. There were a couple of uh, you know contracts to to sign, but mm -hmm. we were good with that. Um, we were pretty pretty set with our recruiting. You know, obviously, uh, you want to make sure that uh, that. The student athletes that have committed are still interested in coming and you know uh, when you go through the process i think uh you're you're selling the school and the community and the the program itself and that kind of goes transcends you know who is in the head coaching spot or or even what student athletes are there so uh you know uh, our our recruits were 
um, in line with that. And I was able to shore up one more. Um, so, uh, there wasn't a lot, uh, of concern there. And, uh, again, the transition did happen before guys had left for the summer. So we had an opportunity to all get together and, you know, um, and, and just talk about the direction and, and feel comfortable with that before everybody went home. Let's talk about, you know, now you guys are having a good season. As we pointed out, you're uh, five and one year, one loss coming to Eau Claire, that game at uh, Wash U, and then beat Co on the backside of it. You've beaten St. Thomas. You've beaten uh, some good, uh, well, Claremont Mud Scripts, for example. And then you got this lull, as we mentioned. Then you've got Mary Washington visiting you, which is insane in my opinion. Uh, they're making that trip in the middle of December. And then you head to Worcester, where you'll take on John Carroll and Worcester for yeah. your um, holiday tournament, as it were. You've got some interesting tests ahead of you after this less than – um, traditional break as it were. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think when, when the division three, you know, moved up the start of the season, I believe it was last year. Yeah. Um, that made for some interesting scheduled choices. Um, being on an Island, like we are, it's very difficult to get a single game weekend. Um, so pretty much every weekend that you play is going to be a, you know, two games, and so we actually have more time than we need to, for, you know, to a certain degree. Uh, this season, the Northwest Conference only had there was only one one single game um, of conference game early. The most majority of the teams didn't have December games. Uh, next year, we do again, just based on the calendar. Um, so. So, yeah, we had this uh, little break, uh, if you will. And um, but we turn around. I mean, we've got a, the, the opponents that you listed are certainly. Uh, really formal opponents off to great starts. I think, um, I think Mary Washington's seven and two, John Carroll's five and two, Wooster's five and one, and you know, all great programs. So, uh, nothing gets easy for us. And then obviously you flip the switch in the conference right after that. Talking about this team from what I'm watching, it feels while you've been there and you've been under coach Logie for so long the team feels like they're playing differently it doesn't feel like the same i mean it's the same guys and there's elements i certainly recognize but it feels like you've decided to change things up a little bit is that is that fair and if so what well you know we've been traditionally a really great offensive team and luckily we've we've really been able to continue that i mean up until this point we're we're averaging um our field goal percentage, 51%. We're shooting all, nearly 42% from three um, and scoring, you know, at a good good efficiency. So our offense has been there. Um, you know, I felt like our best opportunity to improve was on the defensive end, which we were, we've never been terrible. We've been a little bit up and down, but um, the most room for growth. And uh, I think our guys have really bought into that in this preseason. And we've definitely had some really great results. I mean, the, the St. Thomas game was a, a, a great defensive game for us. I mean, St. Thomas is a phenomenal offensive program. Um, they traditionally shoot the ball really well. And we may have benefited from a night when the ball just didn't bounce their way because those happen in basketball. But I'd like to think that, uh, you know, a good chunk of it had to do with the intensity and the togetherness that we've we've demonstrated on the defensive end. Um, so that's definitely the area that I feel like our, our team's identity is has maybe, uh, you know, I put an effort in to try and change. Um, and trying to improve because again, I felt like that was the the best opportunity. Um, so I, I would say that I, th I think we've also played probably with a little bit more depth at this point. Um, you know, 
we had some pretty pretty great horses you know over the last couple of years that uh you you uh you play a lot of minutes with and um you know i think that uh, our our program had some we had guys in the wings they were waiting for their opportunity and um you know i've I've been able to to play a few more guys in the traditional rotations, uh, so I think that would be one other difference that um, that you'd see with this year's team. Um, nothing against Ben College, but I feel like the last couple of years we've been waiting for him to evolve and become the player we've all seen waiting to happen. It looks like it may have happened. Twenty two points a game right now on average, handing out nearly three assists. Of course. <laughs> Isaiah Hernandez is handing out three assists. Jordan Lester's handing out four and a half. So that's not an abnormal number necessarily. He's also pulling down three rebounds, shooting 45% from the floor, 39% from beyond the arc, 87% for the free throw line. Honestly, he disappeared in games last year. And in games, you guys kind of needed that other threat. What's changed about him this year that makes it seem like all of those what ifs may be real now? he's a great shooter. First of all, yeah, let me tell is. you, like he's one of the best shooters I've ever been around. And I've, I've been lucky enough, uh, in my coaching career to be around some pretty great shooters. When I was, um, uh, on staff at Oakland university, um, Metro Detroit, we had, uh, Travis Bader who, uh, he went on and broke JJ Reddick's all time, uh, three point record, mm. uh, in, in NCAA 504. I want to say, Incredible. uh, it was just broken by the, the Wolfer kid, uh, last year, I believe. But, you know, Travis is one of the best shooters I've ever been around. And, um, and Ben is right there. I mean, he's got such a phenomenal work ethic. He's in the gym all the time. He's so self-motivated, um, you know, kind of answer your question. I think a, a couple of things that have happened one is again we graduated some great players uh, yeah. that were around him and so uh now might be his time a little bit more um teams are focusing on him i mean there's no you know there's no hiding that he's a great player so uh one of the things we really pride ourselves on is that um you know we try and play as a team and let the ball find him and find whoever is open if it's not him um so i think the best thing that's happened this year is he's just really matured and evolved and he's letting the game come to him. Um, you know, he's not trying to do too much and that would be easy to do when, again, you graduate some guys who, um, put up a lot of points around you and you know that it is your team. Um, but his maturity level over the years has just continued to, to grow and blossom. Um, you know, the, the summer before last, he actually, um, basically broke his wrist, couldn't shoot the entire summer Ooh. and, uh, did a lot of visualization, did a lot of uh, mental training, and I think found a lot of maturity uh, and a lot of emotional stability that maybe he didn't have when he was, you know, 18 years old or whatever. So it's been it's been a really fun process to see him uh, grow and blossom. And I always think that the the maturity and the way that that players develop outside of what they are just inside the lines that that ends up translating um almost more so than the the time that they put on put on you know uh into their game and and put, getting up shots because he certainly hasn't uh, stopped doing that but it's the other things that seem to be the intangibles that that help grow a player one person watching the show says he seems even more comfortable beyond the uh three-point line than he used to be uh that can be scary if you're a defense trying to key on him and he'll take a shot from further out sure yeah no i mean um Kind of actually before the the three point rule change was made, you know, I had encouraged our guys to work on their range, and uh, you really don't have to ask 
ask Ben to. Um, but uh, uh, I, I felt pretty good once they did make the change that I was a little bit ahead of that. And so our guys were already uh, on the track of just feeling comfortable with the extended three-point line, which obviously we don't get till next year. But, um, you know, I think uh, our guys can play with, uh, create space because of, of the depth that they can shoot the ball from. I'm curious. I'm going to start asking this from a little, a few people if they give me a hint that I think it's there. How much are you into the analytics of this game? Um, I love it. I love efficiency stuff. Um, you know, I, I hear you guys debate sometimes when you're going through your top 25, uh, you know, uh, polls and that kind of thing. But uh, what you think of of Massey? I, I mean, I think I use the Massey ratings, and I know that they don't. I've talked to Ken before; they're not, they're not really for, fully mature until they're about ten games into the season. At but least. I think I think they're great. Uh, yeah, he he told me ten uh, is pretty solid. It's not based on the the, the previous year after that. Um, but I think they're I think they give you great indicators. Um, you know, the thing that's that's crazy about this game um, is that. Anybody can win on any given day. Um, you know, you got a pool of great teams that I know you guys are trying to rank and where do they where do they stack up? Um, but even the the great teams in there, they can still lose to a team that's outside of it. I mean, you see it not just in at our level, you see it at Division One level. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so many things that are that are based on matchups and how the ball bounces that night, how the calls go, whether people are injured or sick, or there's just so many variables and uh, the parity. That's what I think what's special about basketball in general is that, uh, you know, a really uh, a, a great team can get knocked out by a good team. They can get knocked off by an average team on a yeah. given night. So, well, um, another coach or a coach we mentioned earlier with a Polish name getting knocked off by a team that had the perfect middle initial for that event. Stephen F. Austin, yeah. <laughs> I think, was perfectly the, the, the goat there. Um yep. Quickly, before we let you go, Northwest Conference, um, very different conference this year. I remember going into the preseason polls, no, nothing against you or Whitman. Didn't vote either of you. I thought there was enough change by both, enough losses by both that I wanted to see something. I've got you in my poll up to 11 now. You're 16 overall. Maybe that's high, to be honest with you. You could argue that with all... You could argue that 23 of my 25. Hey, I appreciate it, Dave. Like I said, I feel like you're, the the job that you guys are doing it are, are are you're it's very difficult. You put it in a big pool, and we're <laughs> all well, I, honestly we're all pro- progressing. You know, we're all evolving, and it changes on the daily. Um, I I personally think that we are in that pool where we are ranked in it. You know, I'm not even going to try and debate. I just you know. <laughs> I think yeah. I would have had a better chance doing it post-op for my back surgery. <laughs> I should have yeah. moved the surgery up a couple of weeks to time it. Um, yeah. But with this Northwest Conference, I felt like last year was was the apex of what had been a steady climb of the of not only you guys in Whitman, but also other programs. And now we we may have come over a hill a little bit. It doesn't mean we won't climb again. Is that a fair read? How how tough will this Northwest Conference be? Or is there? Is there maybe someone we're not paying attention to that's going to rise to the occasion? Well, I hope it's us, but that's well, just sure. me. <laughs> but besides uh, but you, no, maybe <laughs> it's it's a it's it's a really tough conference race, and uh, you know, uh, Whitman is a great program. Um, they had a, a tremendous senior class that graduated, so it's understandable that there's going to be um, you know some question mark to that. But they're still a great program, and um, even if you know they've 
they dropped a game that maybe they hadn't dropped in the last couple of years. You know, they're going through transition themselves. They've got, right. they've had some injuries they've had to to deal with uh, as far as I'm aware of. And so, sure. you, you know, uh, all that being said, they're a great program. I think Linfield has uh, the roster back from a really great team and they were, uh, you know, definitely growing and, and challenging us uh, last year. And none, there's nothing, there's no easy outs in our conference. So um, I think, uh, I think there's a, you know, a lot of teams that are vying for it. I think we're very competitive. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been lucky. There's been somebody the last se- I'm several years going back that have had some pretty gaudy records in our conference, you know? And yes. so, uh, you might not see that this year, but that doesn't mean that uh, there aren't multiple teams that can compete at a national level, in my opinion. Sure. No. And that's why we ask those questions. We want to get that sense, even if it's a conference that's around the corner for me. It doesn't mean I get the total total view from it that, that sometimes you as coaches get. And I do understand that sometimes you guys as coaches get it from a very um, isolated point of view as well. So it, it sure. helps to balance. Uh, again, you've got uh, Mary Washington coming up for your one game in the span of a month. Uh, before he'll take on John Carroll at Worcester and then Worcester at the end of the month before getting back home and starting the conference action. Uh, One last question before we let you go. What else are you hoping not to change necessarily at Whitworth, but hoping to put your stamp on at Whitworth now that you're in charge of the program? Well, you know, when you when you inherit a program like this, you want the, one of your main goals is to not change a good deal, to be honest with you. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, you can probably see over me. Uh, Tradition never graduates is is, uh, you know, one of our program mottos. And, and like I said, it's the ownership that the players have in the program. Um, you know, we've got a great group of guys and um, I really just want to continue um you know, following our university's mission and uh, getting, you know, high quality student athletes that we can help develop and and um, get the most out of them and enjoy. And hopefully that comes with a lot of wins along the way. Um, so, you know, my, my goals are, are to continue the, the great tradition that we have in this program that have been that has been carried on not only by the coaches, but by the, the great student athletes that we've had. So well, tradition isn't to argue with us on Twitter, is it? No, we won't argue about that. No. <laughs> Sorry. Inside joke with, with Damien. Just like to have a little fun with you, sir, about Twitter. Um, <laughs> hey, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. You Congratulations bet. on the job. I know you and I have chatted over the years, and uh, it was great to chat with you knowing that you were getting the job. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, we will obviously probably be talking to you somewhere down the road, but good luck the rest of the way. Have a great holidays, as you probably know. Our tradition is we always give the the guests the final word. For the first time, I get to say it to you. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just, first of all, thank you for everything that you do. I mean, it's it's such uh, great coverage, and I think our student-athletes deserve it. And I guess my final word would be good luck to all those student-athletes that are taking those final exams and doing those final projects. And uh, commend you for the commitment that you put into the sport and into your academics. And uh, it's such a great thing that, that Division Three does really honor that uh, that balance and uh, you know we've got some just incredible athletes out there that we compete against and that are on our own team so good luck to you guys as you as you go into finals well said um, thanks so much take care enjoy uh, the holidays as I mentioned we'll look forward to talking to you sir thank you sir take care happy Absolutely. holidays uh, Damien Zablowski joining us on the Hoopsville hotline again the team's five and one moving up to 16th in the top 25 again Mary Washington that random game on the 16th of December, and then they'll be against John Carroll and Worcester, 28th and 29th. They're out in 
Worcester. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll go back to Skype. Bob Coleman will come on. We'll talk about the new top 25, and we'll kind of take the barometer, take, take a pulse, as it were, of the first month, what we picked up. You listen to Hoopsville. Oh, before we go, I should read all interviews on Hoopsville Hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. We will be back with Bob. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Something I discovered to myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. 
Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at T3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, on Sunday shows, we always take the chance to do a, what we call the Top 25 Double Take. We're still going to call that the segment, but obviously the new Top 25s are out. By the way, before I get too deep in the weeds here, I called something up, got a nice uh, message. <laughs> yes. Someone pointing out that Damon's last name is Jablonski, uh, the J as in Joe. Yeah, I, I, I was overthinking it, but thank you, Ann. Um, yeah, I sometimes today has been one of those days. I, I had to focus on six teams worth of names for this past weekend. Yet I think today my brain decided we're done. We've been talking about names and figuring out pronunciations. In one case, I actually had to make sure I tried not to say she or he or she or her. And didn't do it so successfully. Uh, I think my brain decided just to shut everything off. But thank you, Ann. Well, I know Damien well for whatever reason. I couldn't say his last name tonight. Um, so we usually talk top 25, kind of forecasting what we might see. The new polls are out. The women's side, the new number one is Tufts. Uh, take, took 14 of the first place votes that had gone to Amherst. Or, well, they've been distributed, but Amherst lost all of theirs. Scranton took six of them in the second hole. Bowden up to third. Hopes in fourth with four first place votes. Amherst fell to fifth, and then Marathon Baylor sitting at six with one first place vote. On the men's side, nothing really changed. Swarthmore's at 21, Amory's at four. I think Swarthmore may have strangleholded the number a little bit stronger. I could be wrong. That said, who's not voting for Swarthmore must have them low because they've only got about a 29 point lead on Emory, which seemed a little bit surprising. So this time around, Bob's going to join us. But uh, as as we bring Bob in, Bob, we're we're gonna not really go into our dubious and deep dive and all that because we kind of waste all our ammunition for next Sunday. Um, but we are a month into the season, so I wanted to take a little chance to talk about what we've seen in the first month. But first off, your initial reactions to what is the newest top twenty-five? Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I think out of twenty-five teams that are in that poll, I may have voted for twenty-four of them, somewhere right in that range. So. I'm tracking very closely with the poll. Um, I wasn't surprised by any movements in there. I think many of the conferences that I've been looking at are, are kind of lined up in the way that I would line them up. And so I, I thought uh, it was a really good effort by the voters and things are becoming, um, it's a tough year to say they're becoming clear, <laughs> but I think I'm starting to get a little better feel for who the top teams are. There are five teams in that poll I'm not voting for. Um, I have I've not laid one vote on for Nichols. They're still in the poll at 17. I'm not voting for Stevens Point. We can get into this if we need to. Uh, I I uh, I'm sorry four because I kept Guilford in. Uh, I'm not voting for Augustana and I'm not voting for Amherst. So those were my four uh, that are sitting there in the top 25 that I'm not that I'm not taking a shot at. All right, so let's let's we'll we'll I think from some of our answers here we'll dive into this. If you have got more questions about the top 25. From Bob and my point of view, we'll try and get them into the next 
20 minutes or so that we're going to be on with this. Uh, we did start the show late, which means some, you know, for the podcasters, this is going to be a less than two hour show, but for you, uh, you listeners at home, we, we should be around two hours. Uh, let's talk about our favorite topic, Bob, because I, I swear, Bob, this has become an overused word, and we thought we were really creative when we came up with it. We thought we were really unique about Division Three, and that's parody. Um, we clearly have seen men's basketball especially get deeper and deeper and deeper, and it feels to me like this first month revealed that just when we didn't think it could get deeper, it gets deeper. Your thoughts on, on parody? I mean, do you... <laughs> Is there a, where's your separation between who's really good, who's good, and who's not even on your radar? Yeah, I don't know if I'll use uh, those terms. I'll just say that I'm very sold on Swarthmore and Emory being the top two teams at this point. Yeah. Um, now, a couple things. I think that said, it's right about after that line is where I think there's a whole group of teams, maybe the next 15, that are fairly interchangeable. And then I don't even think that the, the gap between that Swarthmore-Emory grouping, I don't think the gap between them and that next tier that I'm talking about is very big. <clears throat> then after that second tier of 15 or so, you know, everything after that, I think, extends down to like 35 teams. And from the games that I've watched, there's just a whole bunch of very even teams from the middle of the pole down. But but I do think Swarthmore and Emory very clearly are, are one and two at this point. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I feel comfortable with my Swarthmore Emory selections too at one and two. And after that, it's it it it, it can feel like a pick. I mean, and as a result of that, it can also feel like I'm making a mistake. Like there's no way this team is here. Well, who else am I going to put there where it isn't going to have the same reaction? Um, I think I'm deeper than 35. I think I could go 40 with teams I could make an argument deserve to be in the top 25. And maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like it's a 35 to 40 range. And then, you know, Coach Damien made the point um, that and you know anybody can win. You know, a Stephen F. Austin can beat a Duke. Well, we've already seen that this year where some absolute whack teams that you would never expect to get a win are going to get a win over somebody in the top 30, top 40 teams. So parity has become a challenge, and it's good for Division Three basketball. It just means the tournament's going to be wide open. Where, where is, maybe you answer this, where is it getting fuzzy for you? I think it gets fuzzy somewhere around number like 15 or yeah. so. I'm looking at the current poll, and 15 is Lacrosse, Whitworth, Nichols. I also did not vote for Nichols. Um, you got Stevens Point, Colby, Guilford, Springfield, Carthage, Augustana, Benedictine, Amherst. Um, to me, 15 is about the point where, again, number 15 and my number 35, I don't know quite what the difference is between those teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched Johns Hopkins beat Muhlenberg the other day. Could Muhlenberg beat lacrosse? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they would definitely, but that would be a great game. So that's, so, in, that's interesting because I watched Muhlenberg. I didn't see him play Hopkins. It was busy, but I saw him play Washington College, and I didn't come away with that point of view. But it, but it also shows, Bob, how games and matchups can change the way a team will look and why it becomes even more of a head-scratching moment because you think you get a read on a team, and then they go play a game, and you, and you change everything you thought about as a, a program. 
Well, a great example. This weekend, Friday night, uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh, the defending champs, they lose to Alma. Yeah. I mean, Alma does not have a good track record so far this year besides that game. Then the next night, Oshkosh goes to Grand Rapids and beats Calvin by like 40. Yeah. And so, like, if you were at the Calvin game, you're like, well, no one's going to beat those guys. But if you were at the game the night before against Alma, you're like, these guys are overrated. So right. it just it depends what what game you see, what the matchups are, how the teams play. These are college guys. Um, they don't play the same game in and game out. And uh, that's that's why it's fun. You sent me a question I thought was really interesting. You've hinted at it already. You watched the hopkins Bielenberg game. What is your take on the Centennial Conference? The reason I find it interesting is on the football side of things this year, Muhlenberg's in the Final Four this this year, a year after Hopkins was in the Final Four and nearly knocked off Mount Union to get to a title game. Somehow, the Centennial Conference has just emerged in more ways than I think people appreciate. And I'm even in the Mid-Atlantic sometimes trying to tamper myself down going, come on, Dave, it's a Centennial, ease off. But what's your take from someone who isn't as close to it as I am? I think it's a great league. And, and over the years, we haven't, we haven't spent a ton of time talking about the Centennial Conference. Of course, the, the league always has a great team at the top. It's, right. it's been Franklin and Marshall more times than not. And the, the, the thing about it this year is that at the top, it's very deep. I, I'm not going to say it's deep all the way one to the bottom. No. But if you look at Swarthmore and Hopkins and Muhlenberg – and, you know, there's a team that's actually way under the radar that's pretty good. That's Gettysburg. Yeah. Gettysburg's a pretty good team. And Haverford, I think. You Haverford. Know, look, Haverford, sorry. That's, that's okay. Look, you get they, me with the ones out there. I get it. They've like That's the first time I've ever mentioned them on Hoopsville. You, so, you're right. So I, I give you slack. Haverford. There you is go. Six and one. So what I like about the Centennial is that they are going to give Swarthmore a test. And yeah. Swarthmore is going to have to go on the road to those teams. And what I was worried about coming into the season was that, okay, Swarthmore is going to be the preseason number one, and we're never going to know how good they are. Yeah. But, but I love the fact that Centennial is so strong at the top, and we're going to get some great matchups there. Well, I agree. Now, I'm, I'm not totally into the Muhlenberg bus yet. I'm, I'm watching. I'm impressed with the loss, to be honest with you. I'm more impressed with the loss than I am with the wins. Um, Haverford, I'd heard whispers of. Some whispers about what Coach Dunn had done at Gettysburg. I wasn't buying in yet, but I watched them against Hopkins and was really impressed that they hung with Hopkins. You still have her sinus in there. May not have the best record, but we've already seen them give a couple of these top teams a game. You, we saw Washington College give Muhlenberg a game. No, we're not going to, by the time we get to the bottom, probably not worth writing home about. But I agree with you. I was talking to some another coach in the Centennial. The men's battle this year may be better than we realized it would be, considering how good Swarthmore is. They still may come out of this unblemished. I doubt it. I think Hopkins at least trips them up. But, yeah, better test. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm going to flip this, go to your central region, the one you watched nonstop. You just were watching tonight uh, your alma mater take on Stevens Point and women's basketball. Um, listen, I see a lot of top 25 or a lot of top 25 teams coming out of the central. I know you're one of those guys that thinks it's centennial first and everybody else second. And that's not a knock. I just mean that's the vantage point you're coming from. 
I try and be a little bit more national focused and not buy into the Centennial uh, Central that much. Am I wrong? Am I missing something maybe in the Central that's better than like again? I'm not even I'm not voting for four teams out of the WIAC or the CCIW. Well, it's I think you got to look at it this way: is it's not it's not that the Central has teams at the top that are any better than the rest of the top. It's that there's like 13 teams that could play with anyone in, in the poll, you know? And so like, if you look at, um, I'm not saying that there should be six CCIW teams ranked, but there's six that got votes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, 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 the one that's not in, um, is the, the, the preseason favorite North central They're They're one of six getting votes and they're not ranked. Um, there's six teams that could play with anyone in the poll. Then you look at the WIAC, there's five teams getting votes. Yeah. Very legit because you have Oshkosh, you have, they're not even in, right? They're not ranked. No. You've got Stevens Point, Platteville, Lacrosse. You've got Eau Claire that is very, uh, probably a little bit under the radar. They're not quite in the poll yet. And then in addition to those, oh, by the way, WashU is in the region. And oh, by the way, Benedictine's in the region. So that's 13 teams in the central. And so it's again, it's not that the top two or like one or two or three teams in the central are dominant, but there's a whole bunch of power that's in that one region this year. Well, and if you just go a step outside that region, you got St. John's and St. Thomas, and you've got the Ohio schools. But you know, we could keep going, but you're right. I mean, I, I will not deny that there's a lot of really good teams in that central. I just feel like sometimes uh, I get caught going, are they all good and, and nobody else is? But then that's that top 25 discussion. You know, where do you, where do you start spreading the wealth to some degree? Um, I'm trying to double check. Well, no, because Loris is technically in the West along with, um, with, the, with the rest of that conference. I was trying to see if there was another one that, you, you know, not mentioned, but no, I think you got them all. Um, looking at this, I can't quite remember a year where at this point there were, there were this many like votable teams. Uh, again, there's usually a bunch, but not, you know, not like 13 teams you could make some sort of case for. Sure. And that's, now that's going to sort itself out a lot because CCIW teams are starting to play CCIW teams and WIAC are starting to play WIAC. Um, WashU is going to start getting into the UAA games a little bit. So I, I think at this point, it's just there's so many and it's hard to process how that's going to play out in regional rankings when you think of all of these teams being in one region for regional rankings that will be very interesting to, to watch the the, the process play yeah out. I, I agree with you and as they say it all weeds itself out in the end but on so unfortunately at the same time these conferences also beat the heck out of each other and and sometimes um it, it takes to it, it to the to their detriment is what i'm trying to get at um Biggest surprises of this of this first month? Uh, any team that? Well, let's just start with the surprises. Yeah, I think on the 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 bad surprise end of things, I would say number one would be North Central. You know, they were the preseason number three. Sure. And they just haven't played very well. You know, they came out of the gates. They lost a home game to Oshkosh. Okay. And and then you're like, okay, but but they didn't they didn't play that well in that game at all. And then. They lose a home game to Benedictine. Okay, we've got Benedictine in the poll now. So that's not terrible. But again, it's a home game, right? And so if you're right. the team to win the CCIW, you're the number three preseason team. That's, you got to win that game. 
And then another tough one, they, they go to Carthage. And I think Carthage is a really good team. They go to Carthage. Um, they were down 20 points in the first half. They came back and made it a really good game. But I would say North Central, um, we, we talked about Oshkosh a lot. You know, Oshkosh losing to Alma was the one that really put it over the edge, right? So losing to Elmhurst, okay, yeah. surprised us all. Losing to Carthage, that surprises. The Alma game is a head-scratcher. That's a head-scratcher. Um, on the good side, to me, Colby, what a story that is. I mean, Colby coming out of the NESCAC right now, and they've cracked the pole. And we didn't see that coming, I don't think. I think Babson. Babson had a pretty pedestrian season last year. And uh, obviously, it's a really good program. But I didn't quite expect them to be where they are now. So those are really Colby and Babson, the two on the, the, the good surprise side of things. Yeah, Colby's the one. I mean, to be honest with you, I was kind of pumping the brakes. I had a couple of people go, hey, Colby's great, including Ryan. I'm like, okay. You know, the shoe will fall. I'm sure of it. And then I got the information this week. And again, I'm coming out of soccer. So I had to, the information was key for me that we get from Pat Coleman every week for me to dive in and make sure I'm not missing something. And I remember looking at Colby and I went, oh, you, okay. Okay. I need to do some work. I, I need to go double check this. Um, I agree with you about North Central. I'm more surprised about Oshkosh. I, listen, I didn't have him number one in my preseason poll, but I had him top five, considered top 10. You're, the Alma game was just, yeah, it's the final straw for me. I'm like, listen, I'll give you some leash. But now what's what's going on? I don't care how much they came back to beat Calvin. You can't be losing to Alma on top of that. It, 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 I just, I'm shocked. Now, I'll, I saw Ryan share something with us on our chat sec our sessions. Um, I don't know, and he'll probably say it out loud too, and I hope I'm not hosing him here, but he, he pointed out that Favorite's probably trying to do too much. Um, and maybe this team needs to figure out how to play as a unit when they've been so used to Ben Boots and, and others running the running the show. He may have a point there. I'm going to wait and see. I still think Oshkosh is going to be a dangerous team come February and March, but they're putting themselves in a tough spot to start off with. Um, the surprise for me that that I wasn't ready for, I think, to some extent was it, you already talked about it is the depth of the WIAC and the depth of this of the of the CCIW. I knew we would have a quote unquote changing of the guard, but I didn't think we would have Platteville and Eau Claire and Lacrosse. Maybe Stevens Point. I'm not buying into Stevens Point right now, um, but others playing so well right now. When we've had so many years of the WIAC has been a couple teams at the top and then everybody else. And in the CCIW, it's been a couple teams at the top and then everybody else. But you've got Carthage and Elmers. We haven't even mentioned Illinois Wesleyan, who seems to be doing well with the win over Carthage, despite some stumbles as well. The I, I'm surprised by the depth of those conferences more than anything. Um, it, it's been it's been impressive. And the, the thing that's funny about the CCIW, I think, is if anyone follows the the, the chat board, and uh, in, in when the top 25 came out in the preseason, I was very critical of the preseason voters that voted for Wheaton. Yeah. And, and I still, I'm still sticking with what I said, which was I feel those voters just plucked a team off of last year's top 25, and they, they slid them in, and they didn't really pay attention to who Wheaton lost, which was a lot, obviously, including the player of the year, right? Now, what's funny is that 
this week I voted for Wheaton. <laughs> um, well, so you're here, wearing a Chicago White Sox thing, so I understand you make bad decisions. Yes, uh, I'm representing the South Side tonight, obviously. <laughs> um, this North Sider should never let you on the show. <laughs> it's not lost on me, the irony of me getting all over some people for giving Wheaton preseason votes. And here in week three, but I tell you what, um, Wheaton's going to be a team that, like, they're going to look awesome like they did at Illinois Wesleyan Wednesday. And then they're going to have a game where you're like, I don't know about, they lost to Lake Forest and Lake Forest is a good team. They lost to Lake Forest, they lost to Ripon. But what I saw of Wheaton collectively in Chicago and then Illinois Wesleyan, they are a very difficult team to match up with. And they have, they have players that have become stars, just guys that were kind of in the shadow of Aston Francis and, and uh, Luke Peters. Um, so I didn't expect that in the CCIW Elmhurst. You, what you mentioned with the, um, the WIAC, I also didn't expect that we would be talking about Eau Claire, well, lacrosse quite to this extent. Platteville. Platteville, exactly right. And, so Platteville is the team that was on my radar coming in. I didn't. I, they were like my team number twenty-six in the preseason, so that hasn't surprised me. But the depth of the Wyack and CCIW sure. is one of the themes for me for sure. By the way, back to our our, um, our Centennial Conference good friend of the show, Luke Stilson, reminds me or reminds all of us: Hopkins Swarthmore tomorrow night at Swarthmore. That should be a must-see game for everybody. Um, one, it's at Swarthmore, but two, I've seen Hopkins in place, and I have not, there's no truth to the rumors yet that I've been offered to go to that game for, for money, that Hopkins wants me there because they've got a sophomore stud who apparently when I'm in the building, it plays lights out. Two career nights, uh, the two nights I've been there. There's no truth to rumors that they've reached out yet. Hint, hint, Hopkins. I'm for sale, but that should be a great game. And for top, if you want to understand how good top 25 voters think teams are, that game is worth tuning into. I would love to go to it. I believe if I'm not mistaken, Ryan is going to it and he's going to take his father to his first D three game. It's going to be that one. I would love to go to it, but I, there's no way I can drag. Well, no, I can't take my son on a school night, an hour and a half, two hours from the house. Um, before I let you go, key conference races you're 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 keyed into. Uh, you know, now that we kind of look at month two, we get a we get a taste of the conferences at this time of year before we get a break. Anything you're keying in on? Yeah, a conference race wise, I'd say a whole bunch of them. Uh, UAA, in no particular, UAA will Wash U challenge Emory. I think yes, I think that will yeah. be neck and neck the entire season. Uh, they have a great two teams right there. Um, we've talked about the WIAC, we've talked about the CCIW, we've talked about the Centennial. Those are all ones that I'm looking at. How about the NESCAC? How about all of a sudden having to talk about Hamilton and Amherst and Colby and Middlebury? We haven't even talked about Williams much. So I'm very interested in watching the NESCAC. I'm interested in the ODAC. Virginia Wesleyan's looked very good to me at times. You've got Randolph Macon that looks outstanding. What about Guilford? Short list. Those are those are the conference races that I'm just really uh, keyed in on so far. Um, I agree. I, I, I find it. Uh, I, I find a lot of those races fascinating. I always find conference racing this time of year too, fascinating too because we get the sense of oh they're out to a six and zero start. Oh, never mind. Uh, Greg Sager made a. I finally caught up to the top twenty five board on the men's side uh, today. 
uh, realizing there were like 10 pages I had missed of posts. And Greg Sager made the joke about how, you know, NYU had had for so many years had had this week um, schedule to begin with. And, and I'm sitting there th- struggling not to vote for NYU despite their record and everybody else voting for him. I will say nowadays I'm far more confident to stand on that hill. I'm not voting for Stevens Point, for example. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to tell you I haven't done it, but NYU was like 10 and 0 one year. Everybody had him, I think, in the top 10. I wasn't voting for him. I felt like I was being an idiot. And they absolutely unraveled in the conference, or unraveled in the conference schedule. Made me feel better, but that's what I key on for these conference races is the teams that really know you will expose you. How good are you when that happens? That's what I look forward to. For um, sure. You know, a good example would be the game uh, this coming weekend, Illinois Wesleyan and Augustana. Those teams know each other. Um, conference season is different. The, the way games play out is different when teams know each other to that degree. And, uh, and kind of programs know each other and styles and all that kind of thing. That's why conference season, I think, is, is really the best part of this. And there's some really good races this year. This is really shaped up to be uh, one of the best seasons that I can remember just because there's so many teams that are good and so much parity. And, and uh, it's, it's really been a blast so far to watch these games. Yeah, and we get to crown a champion in uh, Atlanta, which will make it even <laughs> Even more fun. By the way, our friend Brennan wanted to ask uh, both of us if we thought Johns Hop- what the chances were Johns Hopkins knocks off top-ranked Swarthmore. I think they've got a chance. I don't think it happens. Uh, it's at Swarthmore. I just that's a tough place to play. Um, if the game was at Hopkins, I'd I'd put uh, sixty forty on Hopkins. But right now, I think it's Swarthmore, probably it's eighty a- twenty. Shoots it from the perimeter. They're they're very uh, reliant, I think, on shooting the ball from the perimeter. Yes, they are. They have a lot of kind of interchangeable, like six three to six five parts. The, they're the, built like Swarthmore. That's what's scary about them. Yeah, they've got and they that they've got that good lefty um, lefty shooter that's really good player. And I like Hopkins, but you know I'd have to think that Swarthmore is a seven or eight point favorite at home in that game. I I, I think that they'll win it. Fairly convincingly. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm in the same realm. Um, I mean, it could be tighter than that, but that's that's a safe number in my head. Literally watching Hopkins this year in person, I, I thought I was looking at a, another version of Swarthmore. Um, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Both coaches kind of have a that kind of D1 uh, mentality in the same, and I mean in the structure of a team. Um, but yeah, should be a great game. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it, certainly tomorrow uh anything else sir before we let you go no i i, I would just say you know check the uh, the d3hoops.com scoreboard every day and you just go to top 25 or go to all scores and uh, th- that's kind of where you find your your games you're going to pay attention to whether you have 10 minutes or an hour whatever it is just every day say oh i, I got to make sure later to check that one out for a little bit it's a great resource, and uh, there's all kind of great games that are around the country to watch. And I don't know if you've run into this, but I will pl- make my plea again to coaches. Please don't hide your darn archives so that those of us can't see games. One, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to go into the stupidity of it, in my opinion. Um, but more importantly, if you want – I don't want to hear a coach complain that they aren't getting any top 25 love and I find out their archives are hidden, just for the record. Um, First is, you know, I don't know how many teams are left. But the worst is when you like go and you're excited about a game and they want you to pay like $5.99 to watch the game. I don't know how many of those there are left. But Chester. Please, yeah, I th- is it Guilford one of them maybe? I don't Guilford. think Guilford is, but 
There's another school nearby to them. I was just talking to their SID about it, if he's watching. I want to say, like, Guilford is like, if you pay, you can watch high def. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that may have gone away, though. If you don't pay, you watch, like, what looks like Atari. It, it's not a good high def yeah. picture. So, people, let's give us the good picture. Like, D3 Hoops Nation wants to watch your games. Make it free. Get some alums to chip in some dollars to pay for it. There's It'll your work. hook. It'll work out, I promise. Yeah. Alums or, or, or fundraise or get sponsorships and advertises. Listen, I can name you a couple schools, Messiah Franklin Marshall. Some others were who have made that work. We're trying to make that work on this show. Don't hide the damn. And by the way, if you're hiding it because you don't want your other teams to scout you, then you don't know how Huddle and uh, all those other programs work either. The other thing, Dave, we've got it. We've got it at some point. We've got to get the camera guys like the camera. You got one job. You're over here. The ball, you're following the ball that you have one job. Um, I watch too many games where yep. there's a rebound and the, we got a good play going on. And my guy, he's locked in over here. He's eating chips. He's <laughs> no, he's on his phone. He's studying over here. He, it's studying. His, his job. He's never been on D3hoops.com. And then he's like, Whoosh. and then there's <laughs> you don't know what happened. So, we need camera guys to get focused. We need everyone right now to get locked in because we're in December, folks. Let's just get locked in. I agree with you, sir. Yeah, uh, you, I need you more on the show. Oh, wait, I have you on the show every Sunday. Hey, uh, really appreciate the time. I'll see you next Sunday. Any final words or was that your final word? No, my final word, you look really good in green, Dave. <laughs> so I like that look on you. And let's wear it some more, Dave. Just have a for great the record, night. that says WBCA. That does not say IWU. I just want to make sure you read that. You look great in green, Dave. We appreciate <laughs> it. You do not look good in black and white. I cannot Thank say you. the same. Thank you. <laughs> Buddy, take care of yourself. Thanks for coming on. Bob Quillman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline Skype edition. Appreciate him taking the time. On a Monday night especially. Uh, even if he was wearing a horrible socks shirt uh, or jacket. Um, again, tune that, that I, I am not kidding you that that Hopkins Swarthmore game is worth tuning into. Um, I uh, please make a point of doing that. If you are a fan of division three basketball, there are great games everywhere. Folks, we turn into the central region ones. We turn into tune into, I should say the NESCAC ones. We all do that. The Centennial Reason Reach uh, Conference is one I don't think people have been given enough credit to. And I'm not going to fault you for that. Even I've pumped my own brakes. But having conversations with a few people this year and by watching what I'm seeing building, Franklin and Marshall is probably not part of the conversation this year. It's unfortunate. They, they're off to a horrible, not a horrible, but a pretty rough start. But man. That top's going to be fun. And the, the fight for the top five spots. Hey, by the way, you should be six just for the conference race. For the record. Um, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up our show. I'm making sure none of you send in any last-minute questions that I should be paying attention to. So bear with me as I, as I call some things up here. Um, appreciate you all hanging with us with some weird tech gremlins today. Um, oh, that's what it was. <laughs> thanks luke um i totally forgotten the, the soccer totally threw me off i appreciate the opportunity i call four championships in a year in division three national championships to be honest with you i'd love to call more uh, but i call men's and women's soccer and i have now for four years i call men's basketball as you well know uh i don't remember how many years i've called that 
Um, and I've called it in a, in a variety of different ways too. And I've called women's across for the last five years, hopefully be five out of the next six since it's in Baltimore this year, uh, this, this, this season, I should say really enjoy it. I'd love to call more, but the soccer one is a blast. So if it takes me a little out of sorts in basketball, I hope you can understand that. Uh, soccer was of course the sport I played in college. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, looking at some of this. Um, I did play college soccer and I thoroughly enjoyed it and it helped kind of open up the door for what we do now. So I hope you understand that I do that and understand that it can take me out of sorts to some degree, but, um, nonetheless, um, new top 25, as we said, are out a quick highlights again. Tufts is the new number one on the women's side. Um, some new teams we didn't mention are in Whitewater and Gustavus Adolphus in Wheaton and Claremont Mudscripts fell out of the women's poll in the men's poll Swarthmore still on, on top along with Emory there is like a 54 point difference between Emory and Wittenberg in the third spot so clearly those two teams are the top we mentioned the new ones Babson Stevens Point Colby Springfield and Benedictine with Oshkosh Christopher Newport North Central and WPI falling out though I feel like there's one missing because we had five newbies and that's four out so there's one missing and I'm not not sure off the top of my head who that might be um, but nonetheless, I want to thank everybody who came on the show tonight. We had a we had a solid show. I want to thank everybody uh, who uh, who uh, took time on a Monday night to join us. A little bit different. I want to thank Sherry Har, our hair at Baldwin Wallace. I want to thank uh, Kaya Huff at Edgewood Women's Basketball, Damian Jablowski at uh, Whitworth Men's Basketball, of course Bob Quillman. We'll be on the air Thursday night, seven o'clock Eastern time, with um, what our first Thursday show in a couple of weeks. Then we'll be on next Sunday, but that's our last Sunday show for the holidays. We'll be then on next Thursday. So that's three shows coming up. We will be getting our advertising packages out, as we mentioned. Um, if you're interested in advertising or sponsoring on this show, please let us know. We'll send you one. Um, we're going to throw in these next three shows for free, or any of the shows, depending on when you sign up, if you buy a package uh, that or certain packages. Uh, I do want to apologize. Didn't get the rules podcast out the door like I hoped. Soccer, I just needed to focus on that. I had some other issues going on. I have a, a lot of doctor's appointments right now going on um, because of the back surgery and such. And so we just didn't have enough time. We will figure that one out and get it put together. I know it's really dated at this point, but I, I do want to get that out for all of you. So we will work on that. And with that, we will wrap up the show. I do want to thank the SIDs especially. Uh, at all the institutions we reached out to today. Now, of course, that includes Steve Flagel at Whitworth. Um, I want to thank, um, let's see, uh, I don't want to forget names, so I apologize. Uh, Louie at, at Baldwin Wallace, along with Jeff as well, uh, at, at uh, very helpful, um, despite some glitches there as well. Also want to thank uh, Anna, I think it was, was it not? At Edgewood? Yes, Anna Blake at Edgewood for her help. With that, we'll sign off. We'll see you on Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. I want to thank our uh, Blue Frame Technology, WBCA, NABC, and D3 Hoops partners as well for their help with this show. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, and email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com anytime you want. Of course, hope you enjoyed this on the Team One Sports um, broadcasting apps on whether it's Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, or Amazon Fire. And we will continue to find ways to make sure you can enjoy this show, especially if you listen to it on the podcast. And we've got like half a dozen different ways you can listen to the podcast, whether it's SoundCloud, Apple, uh, I, or, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, 
I think I'm missing, oh, Google Play. There's several others. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We're going to see you on Thursday. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the kind words. Great show as usual. Appreciate it very much. See you guys. Take care. I'll see you on Thursday. You've been listening to Hoops Up presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. We'll see you Thursday night.